sometimes the paperwork get in the way. But when you just see these results and you see these people interacting with their work, you know that you are doing the right thing and, and that gives you the, the encouragement to continue. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to professional artist Alejandro Romero. He is a featured guest in Season 5, Episode 3 of YXE Underground. Take a walk through downtown Saskatoon, River Landing, Riversdale, or the University of Saskatchewan campus, and you will see public works of art. These pieces reflect our community's history, they tell important stories, and some even become landmarks. Alejandro Romero is passionate about the many positive impacts public art brings to Saskatoon, and he shares his convictions in this episode of YXE Underground. This past summer, my wife and I spent a few weeks in Tennessee visiting places like Nashville, Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains. Everywhere we went, we saw really stunning displays of public art. Whether it was a statue or a vibrant mural, there were pieces of art that told stories of their communities and certainly made for an interesting photograph. These pieces also made me think of Alejandro Romero. I first met Alejandro in February of 2020, just before the pandemic arrived in Saskatoon, at a podcasting workshop for newcomers. He was one of the organizers, and we instantly hit it off, because Alejandro is just a really warm and inviting person. Alejandro has called Saskatoon home for the past 20 years. He was born in Puerto Rico and became a professionally trained artist. Since 2012, Alejandro has been the public art consultant with the City of Saskatoon and works closely with artists, businesses, community leaders and city officials to help create and install public pieces of art here in Saskatoon. When I reached out to Alejandro to see if he would be on the podcast, I asked if we could do the interview at one of his favorite pieces of public art in the city. He expanded on that idea and chose four pieces that hold a special place in his heart. Alejandro takes you on a public art tour in this episode, and I know you're going to love it. Now before we start, I should tell you that we did this walking tour on an historically windy October afternoon, which made for some chilly conditions. Let the record, let the record show that Alejandro just offered me one of his gloves to keep one of my hands warm, but not both gloves. <laughs> Because we don't want his hands to get cold. Exactly. <laughs> you can have both. I no, can, I don't. <laughs> I can put them in my pocket. And I have a scarf. It's a lovely coat, by the way. It's very old. It's like 20 years old. It's my first coat ever in Saskatchewan. And I cannot part from it. So you were going to hear some wind in the background. And I have to admit, I was a little nervous about how the tape would sound. But... I think the wind really adds a level of excitement to our conversation, and you'll hear Alejandro discuss how public art, especially in Saskatoon, has to withstand the elements. The first stop on our tour is the teepee located in the roundabout near the old farmer's market. The piece is called Spirit of Alliance and was commissioned by the Dakota Nation in 2012 to commemorate the War of 1812. It is a work of art full of depth and history that tells the story of the War of 1812 in a unique way. And for Alejandro, it is special because it has become a place where people come to gather. 
We found a tiny bit of shelter from the wind between two of the bronze statues in the piece. And I asked Alejandro why we have a piece of art commemorating the War of 1812 in Saskatoon. What is remarkable about this story is that one of the people that helped the British uh, take the the North Americans from the U.S. down, where spe specifically the the Dakota Nation. So then they have an exchange of of blankets and the healthy ones, not the other ones that were full of <laughs> of chickenpox and diseases. And they exchange the medals with the blankets, and then that's that's how the alliance. Uh, Happen. So that's what the name of the art comes from, the spirit of alliance. So it is compound of, of uh, a chief from the Lakota Nation and also uh, a general from the British Army who also was married to an indigenous woman. And that's why we have the figure of the indigenous woman holding a little girl. And the little girl represents the combination of two nations. They married. She was the daughter of the chief. And that's why the alliance came upon, and that's why they connected. So this, uh, this is a true story, and it happened, and it's in the oral history of the Lakota people. So when they wanted to convey the story or make that alliance and make that presence for people to gather, they just brought that. They are now in Saskatchewan. They came from the east. So this is home for them. So they wanted to bring that story to the surface and tell the story. And that is represented in these life-size bronze pieces. And also what is interesting that the that the face of the of the indigenous chief was sculpted and and i mean they're very well sculpted like they are realistic style and it, like you're touching his face right yeah. now yeah and, and i and as i touch it i can just feel his features and and what was interesting in the research that they did they went to north dakota where the the ans the latest survival descendant of the chief that signed that treaty lives. So then they took photographs and then they created the face of of, of, of that of of that person, which I don't have the name here. But if you go and read in the panels, all is explaining those those panels uh, that are in the in the four direction, north, east, south, and west, and it have all the colors of the wheels. So uh, the grandfathers are also guardians. As they're not boulders to protect the sculpture, they're also the, the the grandfathers that are holding the ancestry, the ancestry, the stories, holding the space in order for this piece to, to, to stand and 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 be protected. Also, if you look at the top of the tipi, which is where we are in in the middle, it is a light at night. It illuminates this this this, this pictures, right? And then the body of the of the general, uh, the army person from the British Army it was modeled in based on the real pictures of the of the general the survival pictures of the general and the body is the body of happy who was the an artist so then the mother and the daughter are from the white cap white uh, first nation they're they're living people that were model modeling for the art so if you see how many ways of engagement happen in this piece it that's why it's, to me it's a very important piece because tell a story bring it into context to why it's here and also make a, a place for gathering and another thing that is very remarkable it is that timeline that you see there's a lot of layers there's a, a 
a piece of steel that crosses from east from west to east because we read from west to east but technically it should be from east to west it doesn't matter right but but what is important is in this timeline this is this is the US and this is Canada so this is the parallel that divide the two nations and if you stand in the center you see the exchange of gifts and as you see you see the medals you see the blankets and they are almost holding hand in on top of the borderline so it just crosses the borders of the two nations and they make the alliance even closer so that's why to me it's very important and if you look at there's a from petroglyphs is all the timeline of the of the Lakota nation and the alliance all the way to the future and in the future you it the last panel that is in the ground it talks about residential schools and, and all this was before all this TRC and reconciliation uh, awareness that is now right so this precedes that and that's why to me this piece is very important and I regard it as one of the best works that we have but that last panel that is in the ground and you can see it and you can touch it was designed by the students of the school in White Cup elementary students that the artists went and did some workshops with them and then they asked what do you want to see what is the future hold it's not only about the Past, but it's about moving towards the future and all these histories and treaties and timelines that are in these uh, panels in the ground represent that and they wanted to end with the future. Alejandro, they, I, I'm so glad, so I, I should let listeners know, before we, we came out here we were debating whether or not we should go inside and it's do this interview windy. because it's very windy today <laughs> and, um, and Ali, our photographer, is right there. Hello, sir. Hi. Um, and so I, I'm so glad we decided to brave the wind because you you just explain this piece in a way that I, I don't know you like I know you would have done it inside but like not to this like extent there's so much here well, I, we can touch it we can feel it yes. we can just get excited about looking at these images right like like the amount of detail like how this was designed right the these are costumes uh, the dressings of the time right their period pieces so the the remarkable realism that they conveyed in the piece is just outstanding so is is that something alejandro like with your role um like for this piece for example like were you consulting to make sure that all these details were right or or, or were you thinking more bigger picture like there, it's obvious that lots of people work together to make this piece, but what was your role in making it happen? Well, my work is behind the scenes. I facilitate the whole process from inception the, because it was a donation to the city and it was a partnership. The city donated my time in kind and I managed the whole project and with Kimali at the time on, on purpose was the people that was running, were the liaison between the city and, the, and, and White Cup. So Kimali helped me through the process and same as Stephanie and and da Stephanie Daniluk uh, is her last name. He was a history. Uh, a she was doing her masters in history at the University of Saskatchewan, precisely in this uh, topic. So then it was it was one of those perfect perfect moments when a lot of great minds come together and and it was we met regularly we have all these discussions we talk about this uh, there it I remember when we put the call on the contest uh, I know it was tied between the team that got the the the, the award awarded the contract 
and the other artists who has pieces in, in the Guggenheim in Bilbao. So then we, we decided that we wanted to give the opportunity with a novice group because at the time they didn't have uh, the experience of putting work. So then we worked the team and we just supported and mentoring them. They were fantastic to work with. I remember it's, it's one of those things that this project ran so well because of the synergy that was created and the vision of Darcy Ver, Chief Darcy Ver at the time that he wanted, he wanted he didn't micromanage the project, but he was overlooking that uh, it was it was done properly, it was done on time. So yes, there was a lot of people involved. I cannot take just uh, sole credit for it. I navigated all the processes in the city, and and also was the liaisons and the negotiator between all the parties, wow. which is most of the work that I do uh, as a mediator negotiator. It's remarkable that this work was finished ahead of time. It was uh, supposed to be finished at a date, but then it coincides. Uh, there was planning for the unveiling at a certain time, but we have to uh, advance the date and make it prior to the date that it was, which is unheard in a public art program. So we did it. We have we talked to the artists, and and because we have to pay more money to just put other works in the in the fabricators, and then they have to. Uh, there was also instances that we have to, to, it's complicated public art because there's a lot of layers, including bringing the pieces from the, crossing the border with them, right? Like there's letters that need to be done, phone calls and things like that, like it's very complicated. So then uh, we have to come up with some extra money in order to finish, right? We pushed the artists, they were working, they were willing. And then, and it was because the uh, Prince Philip was coming to unveil it. He was doing a tour in Canada for, uh, and he was gonna be here in Saskatchewan, I believe was for the, for unveiling something at the, uh, Dundern in the military base because he's a member of the Royal Air Force of Saskatchewan or something. I don't know exactly because I don't get into all those colonial <laughs> details. But there was pressure then. So it was pressure. So then we unveiled it ahead of time and 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 it was impressive when Darcy Bear, the mayor, and 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 all the dignitaries came with the horses. And then they entered with the horses, and then this was this was the backdrop of of all that. There was dancers, there was uh, a lot of protocol, a lot of suits, a lot of uh, uh, undercover protecting the royal protocols, right? So then, it was a big thing. You don't get to have a royal unveil a public art, and 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 this was it, right? So it is it. If all those things, all those layers, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a royalist or anything because I don't have any connection with that story. That's not my story. I respect it. So then all that part, I stepped out, I stepped back, and then they took it. There were people from, uh, from Ottawa that came from the consulate, embassies, special services, security, and you have to do a check and all that. It was, it was high protocol. So... That made it very interesting, right? And this is a story that I don't tell a lot, but I'm sharing it with you because you ask. Thank you. Um, I know we, we you wanted to take us to one, one more place uh, along the river, but I have one quick question to ask you before we leave this spot. So you were you explained the significance of this piece so well, um, and yet I have to admit, like I've I've gone to the farmers market lots. I've I've walked past this place, um, this piece of art. I've driven past it. Um, and I, I never 
I, I just thought it was a beautiful piece of public art and I didn't know the story behind it. Um, is, is that okay, Alejandro, that I didn't know the significance behind it? Or from your perspective, do you wish that more people understood kind of the context behind public art? Well, I think most people don't take time to read anymore. Uh, some of those stories are written in those uh, panels. There's uh, at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, f five times four. F five times four, how much is that, right? 20. 20, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, 20 panels that explain the, the stories, right? But people come and interact and then they forgot to read. Some people read and, and of course there's stories that I told you like, like uh, the images and how the pieces and about the artists that are back stories that I might write it someday because they're gonna get lost. Those are stories that I know because I was working in the project directly and, and one day I might write them down in a book or something. But you, you do hope then that, that people will take the time to like to read the panels and to understand the history of it. Yeah, most of the time, uh, I, I just wish that if people don't understand a piece or they, instead of going and criticizing, just they make time and and try to learn from what they see, touch it, feel it. Public art is to be, uh, it's public and it's art. So it is for people to interact. Yes, we spend a lot of time fixing them and keeping them clean and, and, and pieces that get interacted and touch a lot, those the patina, and we just, uh, maintain it to the best level of quality uh, as its inception but people if if people come and interact with them they get a different sense and they get a different feeling but if you go and you want to know more there's a lot of stories in each one of the pieces and if you don't read the panels you can always call the city of Saskatoon or look into the website there's an IMAP application in the public art section of the city of Saskatoon in culture and heritage and a lot of histories are there yeah. It's up, it, it's up for people on their own to learn, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, but I find that people these days are not interested in knowing their history. They're more interested in the immediacy of things. They're more interested in, okay, I saw it, I take a selfie, but are not aware of the content. The good thing is that it, it, these images goes and flies and are all over the world and then other people can see and ask where is that and then they ask and then other people might be stimulated to come and do their own experience and and see this place there's a lot of people that come here as you see there's some orange ribbons in some of the tipis and it's uh, a lot of interaction in in aboriginal the day and uh, Walk, rock your roots. There's always, this is one of the stations that they do uh, water for elders and things like that. Marathons, they stop here and it is it's sort of a landmark. Is that okay that you, because I wanted to ask you, like I'm just looking around and there's a couple of orange ribbons. Um, is, is that okay from your perspective? To me, uh, it is it is in the context of the work and the artists are okay I have a duty to consult with the artists and if it infringe their moral rights I have to take them down I call them and they were totally okay with it sometimes uh, there's a piece uh, and we're not gonna go there because we don't have time and it's a little bit out of the way but there's the runner that people think that is uh, <laughs> the the 
the guy that lost his leg. Terry Fox. Yeah. Terry Fox. Terry Fox. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not Terry Fox, but it is a local Saskatoonian Danny Carr, and it was made by House Hawkman, and people dress him up all the time, and the artist was okay with it, and are his friends that go and dress the the guy, so. It is okay as long as people uh, respect. There has been instances that these pieces have been put a hat, an indigenous hat, or or something that relates, or a, or, or a royalty hat. If it is offensive, we take it down pretty quickly. If it is something funny that creates the attention and bring attention to the piece, usually the artist said, okay, it doesn't bother me. But there have been instances that it infringes the moral rights, and then we need to take it down. Okay. Where to next, sir? Yeah. The next one is the the it's called the Coming Spring and it is in Victoria Park. Okay. Let's go. Let's walk. Alejandro, where are we right now? We are in the place that we rock your roots. It is, it, this little plaza here was, it's called the TRC, Truth and Reconciliation Circle. And we are just under the, the coming spring art. This art was made by a very prominent artist that who also from, from Ontario. Uh, his name is Gordon Reeve. And he also was a professor at the, in, in Winnipeg at the University of Manitoba. Yeah, and it is in Victoria Park. That's how it was known. Uh, you have the backdrop of the river, and it is a hill that in the winter people with kids toboggan down the hill. Yeah. So it is, has become a gathering place, a backdrop for many people. And uh, It's a beautiful polished, highly polished stainless steel piece that resembles uh, the, where you just put the beaver pelt to scrape it and, and prepare it. So. If you look at the shape, if you go down the ground, it is that shape. So it is also uh, the circle of life that goes from the cloud to the earth and it just recycles itself and it comes together. So there's a lot of meaning in this piece. This was another remarkable piece. Originally, we were gonna put it in another location, but when the artist came, it was supposed to be over there in the east of the park. Uh, because it is where it stands now is very close to the urban, the the road, and it is also closer to a Chinese pagoda that was another project that is quite beautiful and stunning. So we thought that if we're going to put it a little bit farther, the piece was going to be outstanding on its own. But when the artist came here, he looked at the location, and he was setting this mount. So then we had to negotiate with all the, the toboganners, the neighbors, and go and do canvassing in the area to tell them what was coming and get feedback. That's part of public art, that engagement. So, Do, do you like that engagement when you engage with the, with the public? I get excited about it. I do like it when it's intelligent engagement and when it's intelligent feedback. Sometimes people come and they just complain about everything and then it just makes you waste your time, right, trying to do... Uh, <laughs> uh, public relations, right? Yeah. So that time could be used for different things, right? So anyways, it's, I love engagement. That's one of the part of, of the research prior to putting a piece of art. So we talked to the people we did for this uh, uh, semi-finalist. It was, was a two-tier call. We knew that we wanted, again, this was a, 
dollar for the Canada 150. So then we uh, wrote a, a proposal to ask for a grant to the federal government because they were celebrating all across Canada. So uh, we partnered with the uh, Saskatchewan Tribal Council and and between both of us uh, i managed the project also but they were the ones that hold the ground so then we work in partnership they have a project manager and i was the project manager for the city so we did a lot of engagement we put out the call for artists and in that call for artists we did a two-tier with semi-finalists so the artists have to come to the indigenous community and present it was open to public but most people that attended because of the theme of Canada 150 uh, was 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 done by by indigenous community. So uh, it, sometimes in the research, the art changes and the concept changes. So uh, the artist presented a concept that was very similar to this, but he hasn't engaged with the community yet. So when he got selected, he has an opportunity to go back to the community, which we did several meetings. Uh, with the elders and was not so then he learned a lot of information he was very moved and he learned a lot by the community which is always very pleasant uh, and and then he incorporated some of the of the of the those teachings that he that he learned so this is it's an arch that is connected in the center with two spears that come from mother earth and just point to the earth and it's connected in the top and and there's that's what you hear is jingles and that represents all the nations that uh, the children that have children that went in residential schools in canada and that's what they represent that's why they're there and then they were sound there's the spirit of the and that was something that came from the engagement with the communities they wanted to bring these stories forward and the artists have to facilitate that process of, of telling the stories. It's when an artist comes in public art, it's no longer about them. It's about what is the story that they want to tell. So yes, it's an abstract piece, and for most people they see it and it's pretty. Others go on in detail, and if you see one spear that goes to the to the sky represents the First Nations, all the First Nations of, of the province, especially from Saskatoon, and the other one has the Métis Nation. And if you see, there's a band there. Oh, yes, yeah. And then there's here the feather, and that's what the communities wanted, represented, so the artists incorporated very subtle. Another serendipity or synchronicity that occurred for this piece is that uh, it was made in Toronto, in Ontario, and when the artist was looking, it, we wanted it to be done here, but nobody had the space to build those piers in one space. They didn't have the capacity to do it. So then. He found uh, a person, a fabricator, and as he was talking to to the uh, to the person that was fabricated, it happens to be a, a person that was from the Métis nations of Saskatchewan, no. and it was just one of those random, beautiful uh, stories that come together. In each one of these ends, there's an offering. There's the Métis such inside that spear, and inside this spear, there's uh, an eagle feather that was donated to the, both were donated to the artist to do the work as a, and then he wanted to give it back as a memento, as a time capsule. They're there, I'm not gonna tell where they are because we don't want people to, to go and take it. But interestingly enough, we have to deal with a lot of things on this side because, uh, uh, 
the story of, of Saskatoon is very diverse, and at one point there were tens of, of, of Métis people here. But also after they were displaced, uh, it was a, a recovery park or a garbage dump. And, the, and all the factories that were in this area, they dumped all the garbage here, and all this was added to the river. The river went usually all the way here. That's why this is higher. They added on top of that land. So then when we were doing this piece, we have to re-engineer how to fabricate so we don't go and open and open the surface because it's polluted, right? And that's something, and I mean, if you don't touch it, it's underground, right? Like, you cannot go six feet deeper. If you, But when to put those piers, you need to go six feet deeper to keep the balance. So we have to, the artists, we have to tell the artists that information because at, at the origins, it was going to be heated. All these piers and all these arches were going to be heated. But in order to do that, he needed to go very deep in the ground and do... Uh, uh, that's beautiful sound. I have a story to share about it after. Uh, so then we cannot remove the, it would add a lot of cost to just uh, management of all the soil and it has to be contained and it has to be worked properly and covered and all that. So then uh, he talked, he found an engineer, very smart guy. Uh, he found an engineer that could fix that problem and creating special crews that can hold the, withhold the weight and they, you don't have to remove the soil to put them in. So then they drill it in the ground and then just the art was fabricated to just uh, stand, uh, be, be screwed into those uh, uh, giant screws that were designed just for this piece. So also public art uh, helps to improve technology and, and solve problems. Um, I, I want to ask you about the, the story about the sound in a second, but you said something that was very interesting to me. You said that when an artist is doing public art and, and you know, they're, they're creating a piece, it, it, it's not about them. It's about telling the public story. And I'm wondering, Alejandro, like is from an artist's perspective, because you are uh, you are an artist, is that is that hard to sort of give that up? Or or is it or do is is it exciting to be able to tell a community story? Well that's a very interesting question and and public art in the old days was colonial. In these times of the colonization, the art is, is, is part of that process of decolonizing. And when we put the calls, because we, up from the beginning, we talk about uh, the concept of decolonization. We talk about also the importance of engagement with the First Peoples, with the Métis Nation, and all the communities that were going to be impacted by the work, right? So then uh, the artists have to surrender a little bit the ego of, oh, I think this is what would go there. Sometimes there, there are opportunities for those pieces of work, but and that's the last one that we're going to go and see, and that's why I choose that one. Uh, and But most instances when they're very large budgets and they're site-specific, we want the pieces to be meaningful. We want the pieces to have that connection with the community. We want those places to be memorable and for an art to be with withhold withstand time, it is important that the artists understand that. So it is quite a process. It is hard for some artists. For others, they understand it. And in this case, this artist was uh, interested in tell the story without sacrificing his contemporary uh, style of work. He have other pieces that are in 
he, he didn't compromise on the materials. He feels confident working in steel, so that's what he wanted to work. Uh, he presented some kind of a circle, but it just shifted to, to be this arch that resembles, yes, still a circle, but it's a circle that was used and in the story, because when the engagement, somebody told the story of, of using this uh, using this tool to stretch. It's a stretcher for the beaver pelt, right? And how important it was for them and how important it was to preserve that story and that art. So then he wanted to bring that forward. So instead of being a circle, it became this type of shape. So then he had to design it and that's where the artistry come, right? Because there, it have to withstand time, it have to withstand uh, weather. And if you look at the pieces, they change with the, it becomes like a sundial. It changed with the, uh, it's, it's located the true north, true south, through east and through west. So if you wanna just get, uh, and, and the points over there, just point the, 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 the moon and the sun at certain times of the equinox, right? So there's, it's very thoughtful. Yeah. Artists make a, a, a lot of effort. The ones that, uh, are very good artists, make the effort to just tell the story right and do the research. So artists know a lot of things because you have to research for every piece. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I know we have one more place to go, but before before we go or before we leave here, can you, you wanted to, to tell a story about the sounds that yes, we're hearing. Yes, I remember because there were some complaints about the noise from some of the residents, so we have to mute them. We have to mute them for a period of time, and we did it. But I, I have to negotiate and mediate with the people, and I invited them to come, right, to the opening, the unveiling, because everybody's invited, but if you don't tell them personally, they won't show up, even though it's a public thing, uh, and we announced by a public service announcement, they, they don't come. So I went directly to her, and I said, well, why don't you just give us an opportunity for you to meet the artist, I introduce you to the artist. You can ask those questions to him, and you can listen why those jingles are important in the story and why they need to be loud. Those stories need to be loud, need to be heard. And, and then we're gonna mute it after, but for that day, please, let us have them, have them sound and of that day. So I remember when they were talking about the unveiling and then there were dancers. As soon as the, the woman was sitting beside me, standing beside me, and and the, and the dancers with the jingle dress starting to walk is that same sound. Because the artist, clever, he listened to the sound of it, went to a musician and said, what is the key of that sound? I wanted to replicate. So each one of those pipes are different, are, 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 are replicating that sound. Right? So then when they are at unison and they have different of those sounds, they replicated those sounds in a studio of the different sounds of the different jingles. And then he replicated that. So that's why they have the colors and they faded a little bit now, but they have the colors of the Métis nation and have the colors of the First Nation. And, and how did that person react when she, when she heard it and, she and understood? She understood it and then, because we have promised that we were gonna mute it a bit, then we muted it, but then after we have never had a complaint, it was a very provisional thing. It lasted a few months and then this piece has been here probably four or five years now and we haven't had any more complaints about it. On the contrary, people come here and the sound is very soothing. 
it's like some people have come to me because I go and, and, and walk these places a lot and I don't say that I have anything to do and I ask people. I want to know what they think about the pieces. So then there was a mother with a child and then she said that she comes here often and I asked her because I have seen her a few times in the summer and they said, my somehow this is very soothing it's like a lullaby i bring here if my baby has a, is, is upset or something i come here sit here and she fall asleep so those are the stories that are very special right and make it i love that story yeah yeah so that's why thank you for sharing yeah that's why public art is so special and i love my work so much these are the moments that I really connected, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing it. I know we've got one more place to go. Two more, I, actually. Two more? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to stick my microphone up in the air and get a little bit of sound here. You are listening to Season 5, Episode 3 of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and Alejandro Romero is the featured guest in this episode. You can listen to YXC Underground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, yxeunderground.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and if you like what you hear feel free to give a five-star review on your podcast app of choice don't forget to follow yxe underground on instagram twitter and facebook and that's where you can see some simply stunning photos of this episode taken by saskatoon photographer ali medi I love it when spontaneous things happen when I'm out recording in the community, and that certainly happened when Alejandro, Ali, and I arrived at the Persephone Theatre to talk about a very notable piece of art called Land of Berries. We ran into Tara Jansen from the Remy Modern. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Tara was a guest on the podcast two years ago when she was working at Wanaskewin Heritage Park. She's now the Director of Development at the Remy and happens to sit on several arts boards with Alejandro. I had no idea they knew each other, so of course, I had to ask Tara to share a thought or two about Alejandro and the work he does in Saskatoon. You know, Alejandro is such an important leader in Saskatoon's art community. He's offered, I think he offers an important lens as both an administrator as well as an artist. And I think he, I think he keeps people honest. Yeah, I think it matters. I think it matters. The work that Alejandro does matters in terms of um, having due process around good policies of public art uh, and then also having his own practice. Alejandro, where where are we right now? We are in uh, River Landing area as well. We are in what is called the Persephone Theater. It used to be the gather call a building which was a historical building that was uh, taken down. Uh, there was a lot of stories behind why and, and the how. The value of property was very high, it's prime property, so then when the Persephone Theater moved, they moved to this location. They were in a residential neighborhood in, in, in some of the inner, inner, inner city uh, neighborhoods, but then they moved to this prominent place. They got a grant and a donation, big donation funding from one of the uh, arts donors from the city, Mrs. Remy, which we are thankful for all the work that, all the money that she has donated to impulse the arts in the city. Thank you. Uh, so then the Persephone Theater, is a, it runs a lot of uh, plays and, and, and theater for, it's 
it's well known and well established in Saskatchewan, so we have a, a call for a temporary business and then we were looking for walls because we have one of the proposals that got accepted was from this British artist, his name is Tony Stallard, and he wanted to propose uh, a neon sign with the idea of creating a statement. But in the process of creating that statement, he wanted the statement to be blank for working with community and then find the statement that the city wanted to make. So we, we took a, a different step into the process. So then we accepted the proposal. We said, yes, you're going to do this project, but you're going to be curated who you work with. So then we, we have a brilliant artist uh, also running uh, an indigenous First Nation organization that was unique at the time. It's no longer run, but it ran for 20 years. It was a gallery without a gallery space. It, it was called Tribe, and the director at the time was Lori Blondo, an amazing performing artist. She's in Winnipeg uh, now. Uh, managing one of the art, art galleries, uh, uh, sorry, being a professor at the university and, and moving forward some of the art practice. She just have an exhibition in one of K1, so if you, if you have time, it's still on. Okay. So, uh, Lori Blondeau, uh, I asked her and gave her the task to find three indigenous artists that we could uh, match and to collaborate with uh, Tony Stallard. Tony Stallard have a, a very large practice in Europe, but he hasn't been, um, with a, he hasn't put a lot of art in, in this part of the world, and he wanted to have a presence in Canada. So we put them together. She curated three amazing artists, Joseph Nightahot, which is a, a cultural worker, artist, and storyteller. Uh, Kenneth T. Williams, who is a renowned uh, indigenous writer. He is a playwright and he has plays nationally and also internationally. He has, the Persephone have played some of his work. So as the Gordon uh, Tutusi's uh, indigenous theater. And, and the last person was the youngest artist at the time emerging, uh, just out of university, which was Joy Arcan. Joy Arcan is a big name. Uh, but this was one of her first projects. So this for me, it was also a temporary piece. And I chose this because it is a statement and it's very bold, but at the same time, it is very subtle and a lot of people don't even know that it exists. So it is a neon sign fabricated here in Saskatchewan and it is in a big tall wall that is probably four, fifth, uh, four stories high, approximately 40 to 50 feet tall, and at the top there's this uh, beautiful red neon sign that lights all evenings uh, every time that there's a play. So most people think that it's an advertisement for the play or it is the uh, a design for the building, which I find it very interesting because it is it is it's called Saskatomina and it's a word for Cree uh, of the land of Paris, which was the name given to this city. Saskatoon, Saskatoomina, Land of Berries. That's the translation, the literary translation of Saskatoomina or Saskatoon. So this is an indigenous name. So what a most uh, great statement than that. And they were equal partners. The artist lead was Tony Stallard because he came with the concept and the idea and he got accepted in the program. But 
as soon as we match him with local artists, they become collaborators. So then it's a piece made by four important artists. So it's no longer a Tony Stallard piece, it's a piece in collaboration. And if you see the sign, it said public art by Tony Stallard in collaboration with the artists, Joey Arcan, Joseph Naitaho, and Kenneth Williams. That is so cool. And and you're you're so right, because I, I remember the first couple of times I saw this, I, 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 I didn't know it was in Crete, but I, I thought I just thought it looked really cool, and I thought maybe it had something to do with the theater. Um, it, 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 you know, as as an artist, Alejandro, like, is it? How how does it make you feel when when people can have such different interpretations of, of a public piece of, of art? And like, because you you know deep down what the meaning is behind it, but so many so many people might have different interpretations. Is is how does that make you feel? Well, there's a say that every human has something, right? And every human has an opinion. And there's a say in Spanish that is so vulgar that I'm not gonna repeat it, but we all have one, right? <laughs> so okay. then everybody has an opinion. So same happened with art. When you, you take art that is abstract because this is technically an abstraction of the real world. It's a concept. And how can you just be bold with a concept? That itself is an abstraction. So abstraction you have to have certain levels of intelligence and understanding, especially when, when it comes to art. And most people are not educated. It's not that they are not intelligent. It's that they're not educated in, in to have those conversations. They don't understand the process of making the art and how sometimes these subtleties uh, that artists put and the layers that artists put are very bold, but are just so gentle and so soft that, uh, that people don't get. This is the first sign of this type is in Cree language that is uh, in all Canada. After this sign, others came up and then we have two of these by the same artist group and, and there's uh, then there has been reiterations of, of some of this work that has been inspired by this in other cities and Joy Arcan took his her practice further down and then he took photographs and started putting signs in Cree language in different places giving the rightful name and then in Quebec there were people also doing uh, their sign names in in streets and then they just did sort of a guerrilla art so this just created a, a, a statement for the whole community and and that's the power of public art it is public everybody look at it it started to get different meaning for many for many different people and and in this particular one is the statement that this is Indian territory. This is Cree land at the time, but it was also somebody uh, Blackfoot land at some point. So there's instances that the territory shift. And as indigenous people said, we don't own the land. The land is here is to share and we welcome you, but honor our traditions, honor our culture. So this is, we are here, we are observing, we are lit, we are on. And it's just beautiful in the winter when it's very cold, and it's uh, fog in the in the air, and th that neon sign is flashing red and hot. I love it's, it. It's a very warm feeling when you just stand and look at it, and you can see from different parts because it's so high. When 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 was this? installed it was installed and we need to get close to the plaque yeah. every art has a plaque and 
It was installed in 2013 and it was part of the Placemaker program. And the Placemaker program is, uh, is a program of temporary pieces that we lease or we commission for a short period of time. And some of these pieces become permanent if people really love it. This, at the beginning when I saw the project working, we incorporated in the contract that what he wanted to do with the art at the end of his cycle. So then he cannot take it back to England, so what do you do with it? So then we talked to the Persephone and they agreed that we can exhibit it permanently here. So we look after the art. Right now it's not on because a lightning uh, stroke in the transformer and we have to replace it. And because of COVID and all that, not a lot of people are doing neon signs anymore. This is sort of a lost art. So it also brings a statement of all those old, old times where people advertise things and that commercial uh, feel to it. So uh, in a way, uh, it brings a lot of layers of conversation and that's what a good public art project should be. So this one particularly said that the main intention of the Land of Bed is to develop a work that would be relevant to the location, which is site-specific, be thought-provoking, and to celebrate the local community. First Nation group within a contemporary format that it in time becomes a landmark that inspires civic pride, and it really became that. You, you just tapped the word landmark three times with your finger. Yes, because uh, most most people come here and take pictures, right? And they said, oh, I meet you at the sign. So that becomes a landmark. I meet you at the the statue in the roundabout. I meet you at the Prairie Wind statue. I, bring, I meet you at the Gabriel Dumont statue. So then this place, I meet you at the Cougar, right? So then these places become an entity on its own, and that's what good public art should be, places that people can gather, that they can be enthusiastic about noticing it and... and, and and, and be there to, to gather and to celebrate themselves in the community. I love it. Um, we, have what, we have one more location, yes. right? Yeah. Okay, where are you, where is the last spot? So where are you taking here, it? we're gonna drive to the, or walk, you can walk, but it's cold, so we're driving. And it's downtown and it's in the bus depot, another very populated, uh, transient, uh, walkable, area that uh, this art uh, was commissioned is not site specific and that's what I wanted to go there and it is uh, it was installed during COVID and it's like a little bit of a fresh air it was handmade by an artist from BC and I will tell you more when we get there Yes, this is our final stop and we are in the corner or 23rd and I believe this is 3rd Avenue, 2nd Avenue. 2nd Avenue. 2nd yeah. Avenue. Yeah. And, and this is a very transited corner because we have a bus depot and then there's a very pedestrian area. So when, when we get a, to put a call for artists, there were different proposals and then this one stood out and, and what we got was a sketch by my hand. So it's very difficult to, to understand sometimes what we're going to get. So in that process, you have to trust the past work of the artist, and he have done similar pieces, but 
but not like this. So then we we went into, he got selected because he, the artist's name is Carl Thornley and he's from BC. He's a, a, an artist, Canadian artist from BC. This is a permanent piece and we wanted it to be something colorful, something uh, that uh, we commissioned before COVID. And, and it got delayed because of COVID, but we wanted to commission something that was uh, crafted by the artist. So this is he's a, a, a gentleman, an artist, a very prolific artist that is self-taught. He didn't go to art school, which makes it very exciting because uh, his craftsmanship, uh, he, he did go to school, but he didn't finish it. He had to work, he had family, so then he had to take a, a job as a welder. So he always wanted to be an artist and his family and those stories that uh, he he didn't make it through the school education thing. He made it as 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 he's doing his craft. So that's his story. He's he's an amazing artist, and as you see this piece, I, I. Yeah, like how 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 would you describe this? Like it's so interesting that he just gave you like a a, a pencil sketching, because this this is an incredible piece of art. But there's a lot happening here, Alejandro. Yes, well. We saw his past work, right? And I don't select. It's the Public Art Advisory Committee that is a committee by council. Uh, it's a committee that is uh, selected by council, and then they select the artwork. And we put the call, and we do the research, and every year we put calls. So then this was a particular one because every district, the Business Improvement District, which are also partners with the city of Saskatoon in some of this work, some of the, the monies and the dollars that come from this, yes, come from the citizens, but it doesn't come from the general budget. We don't take from other areas to put it into art. What is remarkable and, and unique about this project, and it's unique in Canada, there's no other city that has it and they wanted to create this model is that the some percentage percentage of the dollars uh, that people pay in parking goes to goes to support the public art and program. i just got a parking ticket absolutely so, the, so the dollars that goes for tickets don't go to the public art that goes to the general budget oh, okay. but the dollars that goes that everybody pays all the time in the parkimeters yeah. go uh, to the improvement of oh, the businesses okay oh so very pay good your, so pay your parking <laughs> spots <laughs> oh i love it okay yeah. i will pay for more of my parking yeah. now what? so so that's what yeah. fund this project so when people say oh public art we don't need to invest in public art that's just dollars that you go somewhere else it is it is it has been like that and it's unique in to Saskatoon and other cities will kill for this program and I have to say that because it is important to frame the work that we do mm -hmm. and and this piece was selected by that public art advisory committee and the and the business improvement district meet with us and then we they see the art and then they they we engage with them and then we tell them what what is coming and they tell us the feedback what they would like to see so then when we do the calls uh, this was a, ter a permanent piece that was commissioned for this area we were looking for colorful art very playful that animate this corner so then we gave the dimensions of the of the corner and we asked artists to respond to it so 
these art, uh, a lot of artists responded and this was the one that stood out. Even though it was a drawing, they saw the craftsmanship that he has in other pieces that he have created that were not like this. This is unique. So then when we talked to him and this was a frame and it was all metal and then you didn't see the colors and then we asked him in the engagement while we do the contract with the artist if he can add color to it and he said, oh, I'm excited. I want to add color. So he wanted to put this, is, is, the sculpture is a stainless steel and it is a frame that he did of three fingers holding a dandelion that is half blown. So this is a dandelion that is half blown and with the wind you can see that they're moving, right? Yes. But each one of them is handcrafted. This wasn't made in China. This wasn't made by anybody else other than his hands. So he spent time making those one by one, modeling and crafting each one of those and, and then put it together, uh, put together all the pieces and, and you got this wonderful metal piece that everybody that sees it interacts with it and it's playful. People dislike dandelions because they are uh, an nonsense for most lawn Yes. Lons, and people don't like it in urban setting. So I think this is a reminder. The title of the piece is Make a Witch. And usually kids make a witch and they blow and then yeah. the little umbrella seeds fly everywhere and it propagates very fast. So it is the story that, yes, we are in this corner. Uh, we, we are allowed to dream. We can make a witch and it got installed during COVID. So it was very meaningful by the time that it got installed. Wow. So there's, there's a purple... Uh, finger. There's an orange finger, and then there's there's a green one here, um, and then yeah, you're you're right about the, you know, it's kind of funny that I know it's really windy today, but the wind has really played a role in these pieces of art today. That's so interesting. Yeah, well, uh, public art has to be robust, but also has to have uh, some give in order to interact with the elements. We know that Saskatchewan, the element of wind is very strong. The element of water in the in means of snow or when it rains, it rains, and thunderstorms too. Like sometimes we cannot install these pieces if there's a thunderstorm because it's steel and it just serves as lightning bolts, right? After it's installed, they're grounded and it's no problem. But in, in the process of installing, they're not grounded yet. So anyways, uh, I think this the organic shapes of it, and then you talk about uh, uh, interpretation of something that for a lot of people is a nonsense. We, it, it speaks about uh, cities, uh, how they change, how they shift, and the different populations in the city there. Sometimes we want to get rid of those weeds, and sometimes we need those weeds in order to, to, to create the beauty of the, in the canvas of what a city is. Um, you, you've been so generous Alejandro, with your with your time today, you've taken Ali and I to four different places that have meaning for you. Um, th this might seem like a very basic question to end our conversation with tonight, but I I, I want to ask it. Why why do you love your job so much? Well, I'm an artist, so. There's not many opportunities that you can have, and, and I'm a trained artist as well, and there's not many instances that you can get a decent salary that is steady as an artist and that you get value for the work you do. And also the fact that I can, I'm, I'm engaged in, in civic policy, I'm engaged in community, and, and I can do all those things uh, and make a change 
bringing my knowledge, bringing my capacity in arts administration, and also see a city flourish. We have 80 pieces in the collection, and I have seen it grow when I, when I started 10 years ago in my job, 11, 11 10 years, 10 to 11 years in, in this position. And sometimes the paperwork get in the way, but when you just see these results and you see these people interacting with the work, you know that you are doing the right thing, and, and that gives you the, the encouragement to continue. Yes, I have put on hold my art practice, which I don't produce as much as I should, but I am content with that. I produce work that is meaningful. I do um, interactive art that is site-specific specific awareness, that it is in interdisciplinary and also is participatory and has a lot to do with social justice and, and themes that are contemporary and actual. And yes, I can paint, I'm a trained photographer, I'm a trained painter, I am a trained sculptor, I can do all because I went to school for that. But in the, at the end, uh, arts administration, it's something that I really, really, really like because of the impact that it has in society, because each piece has a little bit of me, even though I didn't create it. Because I put the call, I write it, I research the site, I research, I negotiate, I mediate, I write, and there's so many skills that I can use in, in the process. I get to engage with people in many different manners, and then I just see it, enhancing the city, uh, creating conversations, and also having uh, people interacting with them. I don't enjoy the graffiti. I don't enjoy people that vandalize work. I don't understand it. Even if you don't like it, respect the work of somebody else. And that's the part that probably is is the thing that it's harder for me to see when I have to go and clean the art or find somebody to clean it um, because I don't understand why do you want even if you don't like the art there's so many other places that you can damage right but it also tells me that people want to leave a trace and I understand also why they do it right so it is it bothers me, but I also understand it. So I go and clean it, sometimes not as fast when it's a clever tag, but, <laughs> but it's, it's fun too. Yeah. Um, the city of Saskatoon is lucky to have you. It really is. Um, and I, I'm very lucky that uh, um, I've been able to, to get to know you the last couple years. And uh, I, I just feel so fortunate that we were able to spend a couple hours together walking around the city. and. Um, yeah, you're Alejandro, you're amazing. And and I just I'm very grateful for our time together tonight. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I invite people to learn to know about themselves and learn about the city by looking at the public art. The public art is the is public. We all own it and the city the city put a quite deal of investment in the community and and, and it is important that people appreciate, don't vandalize and if you see somebody vandalizing, just contact us or stop it, disrupt it because it costs money to fix it and that money could go to other social causes or to just bring more art forward and again thank you eric for the amazing work you do thank you for the, all the people that support the arts programs thank you for all the people that support artists in many different ways because it is important that we keep the creative ecology of the city healthy in order just to have a, a great quality of life so thank you for this uh, opportunity i have listened to some of your podcasts and i hope that this 
touches people as much as this art touches me. So thank you. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to Season 5, Episode 3 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. A big thank you to Alejandro Romero for being on the podcast and sharing his passion with listeners. You can listen to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or the website yxeunderground.com. Follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you like what you just heard, please feel free to write a five-star review. I want to say a few thank yous before we uh, wrap up this podcast. I want to thank my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for the original theme music. Thank you to Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for managing the website. And a big thank you to Ali Mehdi for being such a wonderful collaborator on this episode. Ali is a very gifted photographer here in Saskatoon, and we've been looking for a project to work on for a few months now. So it was pretty exciting to work together to not only tell Alejandro's story, but to showcase Saskatoon's public art. If you haven't done so already, check out his amazing photos from this episode on the YXC Underground social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to follow Ali on Instagram. I hope we can work together in the future really, really soon, Ali. Thank you again for all your work. I also want to let you know that new YXC Underground shirts have arrived and they are selling very quickly. So they sell for $30 and all the money goes to the Saskatoon Friendship Inn, which is doing important work helping our city's most vulnerable when it comes to food security. Please reach out to me on social media or my email address, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com if you would like a shirt. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.